listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to CLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Or maybe, maybe you're doing the dishes. Maybe you're taking the dog out to walk. Maybe you're sitting in your car in a commute or just going to get groceries. Whatever the case, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. If you'd like to be one of them, support the show, make sure it continues and get some cool stuff in return, including an entire bonus program that we like to call the paid DLC show. Check that out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. We've recently made the transition to being patron supported and we are grateful to our patrons. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's looking pretty in pink tonight, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I want to share this little uh, snippet because uh, I think it's adorable. We were talking about time travel generally tonight at the dinner table. Just kind of As a dinner does. time, a family conversation, you yeah. know, sci- sci-fi kids. I'm going to get them young. And uh, my kids if I could were very- go back in time, kids, I swear to you. No, that's <laughs> I'd not have you earlier because you're the best part of my life. Um, <laughs> they uh, were very excited about the notion of it and were like, yes. Then we could go to Disney or Legoland and not pay for fast passes and just skip the lines. <laughs> that is that is the <laughs> ultimate use of time travel. I they're, love it. They're a step ahead. It. They're already a step ahead. I love it. Saving uh, money and getting entertainment. You know, it's double whammy. It's the best. <laughs> well, uh, we hope that you will use your time travel to uh, listen to this show. Uh, in multiple times. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. You don't um, even need time travel for that. You can just do it. You can just you, slide the well, scrub back. Uh, I need time. I don't have enough time in the day, Christian. <laughs> um, we have lots to talk about video game-wise. There was a state of play this week. There was an idea at Xbox presentation this week. There's news galore. There are games. Some of the biggest games of the year are, are just dropping, dropping, dropping. I mean, there's like... A 10 out of 10 is, is like is nothing these days. It's just, uh, that's called February is what that's called. March, you know what I'm saying? But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you we have an awesome guest to do all of this with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because once again, DLC stands for Detroit's local caster. Because from the Midwest Game Nerds podcast, we have the founder of the Midwest Podcast Network. Alex Morell is here, back with us again. Hey, Alex, how are you? I am doing great. I am excited to be here to talk to you guys because I think I'm going to get to talk about my one of my early contenders for the game of the generation. Whoa. And I can't wait to talk to, Holy talk to you guys smokes. about it. Holy smokes. Wow. I'm, I'm excited to hear about uh, Wordle. Early 
I was gonna say early copy of the Cowabunga collection. Clearly, is, I mean, I know you know, I was here. yelling at my phone last week when Jeff was like, "There's this bunch of terrible games." I was like, "Dude, I cannot wait to play that Metroid style Turtles game." So I'm I'm with you, Christian. I mean, I didn't say it was all terrible games. No, I just said that they're adding in a lot of things that really. You know, don't need to be revisited. But uh, hey, let's just more say is Jeff, more. More is you more. View, you view your glass a half shell full. You know, ah, that's all. I view my pizza <laughs> half eaten. You know what I'm saying, Michelangelo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right. We got a lot to get to. We can't mess around. We got a lot to get to. It's a jam packed show. So let's get right to it and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration for this segment by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us comments or questions. Hey, compliments? That's something you could send also. We like it in those. Uh, dudes even, love compliments. DLC. Yeah, dudes love compliments. We do. These dudes do at least. Uh, mm-hmm. Or uh, even your own reviews of games. We, we love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also participate in one of our awesome communities on the subreddit. It's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And over on Discord, it is also 5x5dlc on the Discord. Fantastic folks hanging out, talking games, and all sorts of things. I urge you to take part in the cool communities. But, Alex, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I'm very excited that the latest supermassive game has been announced as The Quarry, uh, due out this summer. And, uh, I don't know if, uh, you guys have played much of Until Dawn or the, uh, Dark Pictures anthology, but I picked up House of Ashes with my friends on the Midwest Game Nerds this past year. We had a great time playing it, comparing notes afterwards, uh, seeing who lost which characters and, uh, what terrible choices we made and <laughs> how we were able to save people by waving a UV stick over them. I don't know. It's great. But awesome. uh, no, I haven't played either of those. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not really drawn to horror games per se, uh, but I, I was, I didn't notice the queries uh, announcement mostly because it's a, it's sort of this mishmash of uh, all of these famous horror film actors. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, all kinds of people on David Arquette from the Scream series and Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. Justice Smith from Jurassic World. Uh there's a, a, um, a Lynn Shea from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh what's his name? Mr. Robot, Academy Award winner is in Rami um, Malik. Yeah, Rami Malik is in um the first one. Until Dawn, I think Hayden Panettiere and yeah. uh there's Hayden a couple of people the- in there. Hayden was like the star and mm-hmm. then someone went and won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, that's the thing. They attract such big Hollywood talent to some of these. I mean, I think Ashley Tisdale was like the big one for house of ashes, which maybe not huge, but no, no offense to Ashley Tisdale. She's great. And she did a great job in the game. Um, but they get these great actors to come in. I think the por- performances feel great. And then on top of that, you know, the interesting thing about the Dark Pictures games to me is that Until Dawn, while not a long game, it's still somewhere in the in the ballpark of like eight hours if you're not trying yeah, that's to. That's how long it lasts until dawn. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were very specific. They wanted to be as precise to yeah. real life as possible. Right there in the title. You know how long the game's going to take. Come on. Absolutely. Yes. Meanwhile, um, Elden Ring is, is, it should have been called Until Dawn three months from now. <laughs> the word Elden is in there. Live, live in Alaska and it's 30 days of night, you know? So, like. <laughs> But uh, but no, um, the Dark Pictures games are shorter. It's like a four-hour experience or something like that. And so you can kind of get in, have fun, make terrible choices. People die because of them. You feel horrible about it. And then you get out, and you can talk to your friends about all that stuff. And that's what I love the most about the Supermassive games. You know, they look very good. There was some awesome production design in the most recent one in House of Ashes. Um, so I'm really excited to see what they do with the kind of it sounds like there's going to be a very Friday the 13th style setup for the quarry yeah. camp counselors. And, uh, we got, we got camp counselors in this one. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, who's going to be the Kevin bacon and get, uh, you know, impaled from yeah. underneath a bed or something like that. So is the sense that you get that they're, they're kind of carving out their own niche and, and making games that are very similar to one another, or is this style evolving? I mean, I think it's a really cool notion to, be able to play something with your friends, as you said, mm-hmm. and tell a story. And that story is affected by how you play. I think that those are all really cool uh, notions. And it sounds like they do that differently than most other co-op games. But it, it, is this sort of just a, a different skin on the same formula? Or do you expect something fresh? Honestly, to me, when I played Until Dawn, I thought, wow, this is what quantic dream wanted to do with heavy rain (laughs) you know heavy rain i feel like is a very was a very ambitious game and i think tried to uh, use the standard controller to make you do interesting things with these characters you're trying to interact with the game in a very different way from any other type of video game and when until dawn came out not only was that interaction interesting but I felt like the choices that you make felt more impactful. The uh, the story overall was more fun and interesting than, you know, I think uh, Quantic Dream likes to kind of, they weigh their stories down in a lot of metaphor and they really want to try and make it more than the sum of its parts. And sometimes it doesn't quite come together in the end. Mm. Whereas when I sit down and play Until Dawn and you're like, there's an insane supernatural monster. And I'm like, okay, I know you're not shooting for the stars. <laughs> I'm right. I, I know what I'm getting. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I think supermassive is kind of honed in on the ability, not only to tell these stories and have them, you know, with the four hour experiences of dark pictures, anthology games. Um, I think it's easier for them to get a wider breadth of those choices. You look at something like the Mass Effect trilogy where it's just one big diamond where everything kind of funnels into three big choices at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Dark Pictures games, I feel like there's so many permutations of the story with who might be alive and who's not and what choices you might make in the beginning and, and what you decide not to do um, that there's just a much wider breadth of experiences that all players can have across the game. So number one, I think that's one thing that made the Dark Pictures games very uh strong but on top of that the different play modes uh i was reading the article and the quarry is going to have seven player co-op and you can either have seven people playing different characters or you can all be making the big choices together with those seven people voting and 
Yeah, that yeah. is just uh, what other video games are out there where you're taking that big of a group of people. You know, I, I I can't think of anything where you're able to kind of play with that bigger group of people and make important story decisions that will affect the rest of the game with everybody. And so I yeah. think it feels like something that uh, Netflix would be very interested in and, mm-hmm. and they kind of not even dip their toe into the style of game, but they've done choice based um, narrative uh banner snatch and stuff like that and i feel mm-hmm. like this what what um supermassive is doing in the quarry seems like it's even a step ahead of what we've seen so far from some of that stuff and i love that interactivity the closest thing that i've come to it i remember i think it was minecraft the telltale minecraft game where they had the premiere at the arc light and every decision was like oh what should we do and people would be like hey <laughs> you know yeah 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 <laughs> And they kind of did a quick vote that way to so oh man, dogs are yelling. Um, to see what it was. And I, I really like that approach of like playing with seven friends in horror, especially and making decisions. Cause I feel like horror is when you watch it, right, Jeff, and you're not like you watch like Scream or whatever, it's don't open the door or hang up the phone or run. Just ah yeah. but when you're the one making the choice and you're presented with hide in this what's that Geico commercial, you know, hide in this closet with chainsaws uh get in this car that's out of gas or whatever it is right you're all bad choices um they're fun moments i think yeah yeah i think uh definitely looks like the kind of thing that i'm not immediately drawn to but i could be talked into if enough friends were like let's let's all play this it seems like a a, a gas you know uh interesting though when you i don't want to jump ahead too much here but uh when you talk about things Netflix is in, into, why hasn't Netflix called Sam Barlow yet? You know, I feel like they that they should, that's a match made in the obvious. <laughs> maybe maybe they're still filling up the truck to back it up. I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I hope he gets a big payday. Uh, all right, um, that game, the quarry that we've been talking about, the next uh, of the super giant games, is set to come out on June. 10th is what it is june 10th and uh it'll be out on uh, on everything pc ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series consoles so it'll come out in what used to be called the summer lull that is yeah no lulls no lulls <laughs> no anymore lull. no lulls for you uh christian spicer what is your story of the week so folks in the discord were talking about this and they are right i do feel like it needs to be my story of the week and it can lead to potentially a, a longer or side story as well or discussion but it's up now but this past week, um, Gran Turismo 7 suffered a very long outage. Um, I think it was like over a day, maybe almost two days of un- unplayable, even the single player stuff, because it is an always online game. Um, whether you like it or not, it's not like, oh, if you want to engage with the multiplayer features, you got to log in and do this, that, or whatever. It's if you want to play Gran Turismo 7, you need to be online. And what happened is they um, released a patch that they say could damage players saves. So they took it down and it was down for, I think it was down for two days um, before it came back up. And during that time, uh, there wasn't a lot of communication necessarily about what was happening, which I can understand how it could be all hands on deck to try to get this thing back running again but in addition to these updates while 
the first update that I think had the save bug problem and then this new update, another thing that happened is the game's end game content, essentially. Um, the cars that you would need to build out your collector profile and stuff like that. Um, if I read it correctly, both became more expensive and the payouts you got from events became less. So it was kind of this double-edged way of making it harder to fill those things out. And I am not near the end game of GT7 yet. So this has not uh, affected me in my play style. But I think for that hardcore dedicated chomping at the bit to get back to this kind of classic GT style game, it feels like a real kick in the pants to one, have it not be playable for single player. And two, yeah, affect anybody's play style is, you know, yes. you can't play yes. it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great point. But then two, this reduced payouts and the car prices being expensive to fill out this collector stuff. Alex, I don't know if you're a, a GT player or kind of into that, seen at all but um i'm kind of curious your thoughts on one the online playability for single player games which is not exclusive to gt certainly but then two this kind of post review score tweaking of online game economies and how that should maybe impact uh people's feelings about games yeah i mean i haven't touched a gran turismo game since uh gran turismo 3 a spec for the playstation 2 uh, racing games aren't normally my forte. Um, but you know, I, when I think about games that are always online nowadays, uh, and have, you know, generally single player experiences or marketed as single player experiences that are online. Um, you know, if you look at something like Elden Ring, which has co-op and has a lot of internet interaction with online, but if you take that game offline, you can still play the entire game. Which it, it was offline for a lot of folks for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but in, in the sense of, you know, Gran Turismo 7, you can't play most of the game for two days because of a maintenance update. I, I think that's that's a pretty poor look. Especially because, as I was reading, the reason the game is always online was explicitly given back in October by the director of the game. He said, we need to make sure that people aren't manipulating save files and cheating in either online or offline. Um, and so, you know, if I want to cheat with my game, I should be able to cheat with my game. Number one <laughs> offline. Well, not if they're trying to sell you stuff in it. <laughs> That's the problem. Right. Yeah. And, and I think this, not only the disingenuous, we're not going to turn on microtransactions until the reviews are, are posted. But then on top of that, you know, tweaking the economy afterwards. Um, I don't, I don't think we should live in a world where you could spend hundreds of dollars on Gran Turismo to get all of the cars. You know, it takes me hundreds of dollars to pay for my car payment every month. I don't and need that is part that's of how a... real the simulation is, Alex. <laughs> well, for real, that's part of the statement that came out. Uh, it, let me see. I have it pulled up here. Um, some of the event rewards have been adjusted. I want to explain the reason for it and our plans going forward. In GT7, I would like to have users enjoy lots of cars. At the same time, the pricing of cars is an important element that conveys their value and rarity. So I do think it's important for it to be linked with real-world prices. Um, and it's like it's not uh, a bug. It's a feature, dude. It's like, Kaz, I get it. And I, I love a lot of, of what they do, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, I Alex, I agree. I think it's frustrating uh, the... 
the grind, Jeff. And I, I know that you're not a huge Gran Turismo person, but you are a huge uh, WoW player, and you've certainly spent a lot of time playing games that require a lot of gra- grind and have yeah. in-game content. That's what I'm curious about for you, Jeff, in the story. It's like, are games better with in-game content that usually is messed up <laughs> for several <laughs> well, months, or is there another way to do it? Yeah, I mean this. Uh, this is a, a really weird story to me. I mean, I I can totally understand the the impetus to 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 see nefarious things or 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 uh, conspiracy in this notion of change uh, changing the economy after the review scores come out. I, I have a hard time believing that was malice aforethought. I have a hard time believing that that was the plan. You well, know, a like, lot of okay, it. we'll get those precious review scores and then we'll change <laughs> things up. I think, I think well, it's the, much, the, you know, never, never attribute to malice what you can uh, explain with, uh, uh, you know, um, stupidity. Uh, well, microtransactions weren't on at all for reviews. So right. that, I, I mean, that's, I do agree that's it's stupid. <laughs> that's, you know, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. Um, I, you know, it's it's unfortunate that the economy of the game is is so prevalent in a game that kind of introduces itself as being somehow this cultural touchstone you know this this as i mentioned in when we talked about the game when it was released you know it it introduces itself as being equivalent to elvis and the beatles and the the first, you know, man on the moon and, and that kind of well, thing, you know, cars, it, it, it makes the argument that automobiles are that and are that important. But yes, Gran Turismo holds itself very self-serious. It's not. Yes. It's, it, you know, it, yeah, it's not uh, jumping a Bronco out of a yeah. seaplane coming into Mexico or whatever. Yeah. I mean, every car in, in the, in the game is, is held in this lofty uh, uh, esteem and it, and, and then it just feels it, it. I don't know. It feels cheap, even though it's expensive. It feels cheap to uh, <laughs> to then. I, and I don't buy this notion of like, well, if the game, if the if the cars aren't valuable, then they're not valuable. You know, it, it doesn't need to be valuable in real person money to to be valuable in the context of the game and or real person time. Like you can. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You can grind and get all these things like it is possible right. you don't need to spend money and again i probably will never get to this part of the game like if you just play through the cafe menus you, that progression is laid out for you like you're right. not going to hit roadblocks where it's like marvel's avengers and it's like great now go do this multiplayer grind content for two hours before you get to play your next miss marvel mission this is all for the most part, in-game content, we're really trying to fill in everything in your, you know, got to collect, got to collect them all board. Um, but I agree with you, Jeff, that it does. There has to be a way that you can still make something rare and special to get in game without it being saving up for a real Bugatti. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot, many games do it. It's a, a, thousands of games do figure out ways to do that, you know, to make the, the really cool thing really cool and feel special and valuable. Uh, but you know the the thing that is problematic here for me to my m- mind is that it was changed so close to having been released it, it it really felt like they went oh no this is way too easy there's way too easy for them to get everything let's change it so it's harder for everybody to get everything and that to me is 
it just feels that feels dirty you know just yucky because you put the game out at least you know you, you would assume that there had been some testing of this or or some notion of what the economy should how it should work and then to change it so quickly it feels like a bit of a rug being pulled out from under people but can i christian can i ask you if you purchase a game with real money or sorry if you purchase a car with real money do you then is it like forza where you have to earn the credits or you have to have the credits to be able to use it or what is the actual interface with how that works Short answer, I'm not entirely sure because I have not gotten there, and okay. I probably won't dabble in that economy. But my understanding is uh, – this is just speculation. I should probably just keep my mouth shut and say, I don't know, Your Honor. Um, <laughs> but you have to be given an invitation. For some of the rare cards, you have to get an invitation to be able to purchase it. And then once you have that, you're able to use the car. Like but I again, think- don't quote me. <laughs> yeah. I mean the thing is is that in my opinion, if there's some in-game route to earn enough credits to buy all of the stuff that you can buy with real money. That's, that's good. You know, if it's just people who are impatient, want to spend money to unlock the car that they really love. If, if you want to pay $90 or I don't know what it is to get the, uh, I don't know. I would want to buy the Doof warriors car from Mad Max and just drive that along, uh, Nürburgring or whatever the name of that. I don't popular think that's racetrack. in GT seven, but I could be wrong. I don't think so. I would want it to be. And that's why I didn't buy the game. But um, <laughs> that's why that specific reason. <laughs> <laughs> but if I really wanted to do that, that's my personal choice. However, if you are limited in the content that you can get because you can't even have the opportunity to buy the game, buy the cars within game credits, I think that sucks for one. So and then on top of that, if they're just twisting the dials on top of that to make it harder to get within game credits as well, even worse. That- Yes to that. They they did twist it to make it harder to get within game credits, but you can get it within game credits. And then Red Sky 03 in chat says, but the invitation have the invitation to get these uh, exclusive cards have expiration dates. So mm-hmm. in their opinion, then you feel pressured to buy microtransactions, not not miss out. And I get that because you can only grind so much in a day or, you know, whatever that time frame is. Um, so then it's like, well, I guess I will. And it, yeah, it's stuff that I think, again, a phenomenal game. I imagine I'll talk about it in some respect uh, here at the end of 2022 for us. Um, but I find that a lot of games seem to struggle with great end game content. And I will, someone will probably argue with me that this isn't net just end game content for Gran Turismo 7, but it feels like it's a big part of it. Um, many, many hours end game content often is. Um, but I think it's hard to do well, and it bums me out that Gran Turismo 7 so far seems like they've kind of uh, missed as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole other issue, this uh, always online thing and being down for two days. I mean, that's a whole other topic we could get into. It's one we've talked about a lot, I think. I, I don't think that's as as big a deal at all. Um, I think it's something that is quickly forgotten. It's an, certainly annoying, inconvenient, and frustrating to folks that are excited to play the game, purchase the game, have no desire to even dabble in the online features and can't simply because the game is, is down, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think honestly it's, it's uh, a blip in time and and not, not a super big deal. Hopefully they do some sort of make right would be lovely for, for folks to be like, Hey, here's a free car or something like that. But you know, I remember when always online was the NFT of its times, right? It was uh, the, 
the mobs were had the pitchforks and were like always online is is the devil and now this thing this ha- kind of thing happens and people are mildly annoyed but it's kind of like yeah it's how uh, how how games work yeah it is still annoying though for single player games like i do agree that we've kind of been beaten down by it but (laughs) that never feels good yeah like this single player thing i can't play because my the internet is down ugh (laughs) yeah or i can't play it i mean the the the, where it gets me nowadays is i can't play it on the airplane and play it on the airplane Mm -hmm. because you can't play it where there's no internet uh, it's, we get it's it. You have a Steam Deck, Jeff. You don't need to it's find so great, subtle ways. It's so great. <laughs> What's uh, your story, my friend? There's my stuff. You guys have left me the best stuff. It's it's hard to. Cho- I now have to choose between Sony and Microsoft. But I I have to say, my I was most intrigued by seeing the Hogwarts Legacy gameplay reveal, the state of play that was to get dedicated entirely to one game, uh, Avalanche's uh, long promised Hogwarts Legacy. The uh, the Harry Potter game. Now, of course, can't talk about Harry Potter without all of the baggage that has been put on that franchise by its creator. Uh, certainly, a, a lot of folks are even boycotting the, this video game because of the IP uh, and uh, and their uh, feelings about trans rights, which is something I very much support. Um, but I, you know, I feel like I can talk about this game without referencing uh, the. Uh, views of the creator of the ip uh, she had very little to do with this game as far as i can tell uh but also it's doubly problematic because the game's director evidently said some super ugly stuff on his personal youtube page uh he retired then unretired and then retired again uh worked quite a lot on this game i it doesn't appear that he's working on this game now but all of that is context for a game that's uh, a lot of folks have uh, some real issues with have nothing to do with the game itself, but the people involved in its creation or the people who will be paid if it does well. Um, but of course, there are, I'm guessing, dozens, if not hundreds of folks working on this game that have nothing to do with any of that. So I am going to talk about what I saw from a gameplay perspective in this 14-minute gameplay reveal. Uh, Jeff of now Hogwarts. breaks down how it's not Mad Max 2 for the next 10 minutes. Look, I saw no footage of Mad Max 2. Yeah. Okay, so what I didn't see was... I'm like Alex, uh, you know, put the Mad Max things and everything. You know, get, Avalanche's Mad Max game, woefully underrated. Woefully uh-huh. underrated. Uh, still a great game. You could probably get it for like two bucks on Steam at this point. Uh, woefully underrated game. Big open world, cool game. Anyway. Do, does it play on the Steam Deck is the question. I'm sure it does. How could it not? It's like a <laughs> five-year-old game at this point. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, not at all. So Hogwarts Legacy uh, takes place in the 1800s, I think very smartly, uh, in the same way that um, Star Wars The Old Republic didn't have to mess with Luke Skywalker or any of the people we know. It got to kind of have its own sandbox, and not this game is not going to have to worry about Harry and all the people we know, all the teachers at Hogwarts that we are familiar with. It can invent its own uh, time period, which I think is very, very smart. I don't uh, believe that to... High Republic won't bring in Luke Skywalker somehow. I think they'll find <laughs> a way. They'll be like, and here's all, I'm going to name my kids this for every generation for the next 200 years, and you'll see it down there somehow. No, I'm seeing the they games that already came out decades ago, the nice little oh, Republic games that got would, it, got you know, take place a thousand years after or before. Before? Right. Before. before. A thousand years yeah, before. They'll retcon that. They'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> the remake uh, anyway. coming out will star yeah. Luke Skywalker, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I thought, uh, I thought, uh, Hogwarts legacy looked incredible. 
Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Avalanche uh, and not a huge fan of Harry Potter. Even before any of the controversy surrounding the IP, I was never a big fan of, of Harry Potter. Did I read every single one of the books? I sure did. Did I see all the movies? Absolutely, <laughs> I did. Why? Because I was alive in the early aughts, <laughs> you know? Um, but Jeff begrudgingly goes to the midnight launch for all of them, hates it. Worst midnight launch no, ever. <laughs> I was not, a, there's no hate. There's no hate it. I just never thought, I always thought that, that, um, uh, JK Rowling was, a, was a, a, an amazing, uh, world builder and created a very compelling world with, with really interesting, uh, characters, but, but very bad at plot. <laughs> and it just, it, it never captured me in a way that it did so many of my peers and so many of my friends. Um, I always poked holes in, you know, like w- when you introduce time travel into your, in your game and, or into your game, into your, uh, book series. And then the, the only way people use it is so they can take more classes. I'm like, maybe work on the big, bad, scary, bad guy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, or skip the line at Disneyland. There you That's go. What I'm exactly. saying. Like your daughters. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, this is not a, uh, <laughs> a, uh, retrospective on the Harry Potter franchise. It, I do. I only bring it up to say, I am surprised at how much it made me excited to be in that world because it looked like a really comprehensive window into that fictional universe where you get to do all the kinds of things that people fantasize about in that world. And they all look really cool. I mean, I think the combat looked pretty fun. Who knows? Who knows? But it looks really fun with all kinds of cool spells that seem to um, piggyback on one another and do all kinds of wild things. The, uh, the fact that, Evidently, there'll be a lot of the school stuff where you can actually uh, apply things you've learned in potions class and magical creatures and all that stuff. It just felt very, not a single piece of that world felt untouched by this game, which I thought, you know, Star Wars is like that too, where a Star Wars game will be a little slice of the Star Wars universe because there's so many different aspects to it. It's hard to do everything in one game. And this really felt like doing all of, the Harry Potter world in one game and it it all looked really cool to me. So, uh Alex, I'm curious what you thought of the Hogwarts Legacy gameplay reveal. Yeah, I'm a bit of a lapsed fan. I I used to enjoy the movies and the books quite a bit. Um didn't really enjoy the Fantastic Beasts film. Terrible. And then uh <laughs> have, yeah. I have a lot of uh complicated feelings about a lot of the stuff that you brought up at the start of this, but the game looks beautiful first of all, graphically fantastic um and i really think you know i was waiting the whole time during that state of play for them to say you know here's the online component and you're doing your dailies as harry potter and (laughs) i was like okay so it's a it's a live service game i don't have room for that in my life i'm gonna you know but i think uh a lot of that stuff felt really compelling like you said if i can get my hogwarts transcripts and see what earned my uh, magic degree that type of thing you know, take the different classes and learn how to do this stuff. You know, we didn't see a whole lot of the, uh, you know, rotate the stick to uh, make the potion and, and stir your cauldron, that any of that type of stuff, which I imagine there's some level of it in there um, with the classes and things. But um, I'm certainly intrigued. I'd like to see more. For me, the combat looked a little bit um, bullet spongy, I guess mm. is the term that I would say. Uh, hard to know in, in case of like, are they facing more difficult enemies or 
you know, your, your classmates as you're trying to knock them out or off of the dueling platform or whatever it would be. Um, I feel like it was hard to gauge if, if it feels like there's any real impact to the, you know, when they got to the real battles in those movies, it just felt like flashes of light flying at different people. And sometimes they died and other times they didn't. And right. I feel like the game captured that well, but that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, thought, I thought um it looked like there were spells where you get to fling people around and then there's sort of elemental things and and I love the idea of you could sort of specialize in adding a bunch of creatures or plants into your mm-hmm. you know, be sort of like the the equivalent of a necromancer or a you know, a pet class basically. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I, I'm um perhaps judging or or filling in blanks that were were blanks and I shouldn't fill them in, but it certainly seemed to me like there was a lot of options. I, you know, it says you, you start at Hogwarts and you get sorted into the sorting hat. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there really are four different, you know, questions to yeah. be answered or something like that, that lead you into four different real sections of the game that are closed off. If you didn't, you know, the three of them were closed off if you didn't get sorted correctly, or if it's, a single player narrative experience where everybody gets sorted the same way or how that yeah. works. But I'm hoping that the level of choice and variety that they're showing of, of building your character, adding, I mean, they showed a lot of, you know, putting skill points in things and, you know, character creation, you know, a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot to be made of character creation. You know, they promised that, especially in light of uh, JK Rowling's comments, how they wanted to make a big emphasis on that. So I don't know. A Christian, what was your take on the state of play? Yeah, my kids are currently super into Harry Potter, super, super into it. Um, I, I feel like I do have a lot of questions that listening to you, Jeff and Alex, I am trying now not to fill in those blanks because uh, it's like easy for me to be like, oh, it's kind of an open world game. And so these are the things that I'll do in between the things that I do. But then as I really looked at what they showed, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm like the bulk of my, like when I think of an open world game, the bulk of what you do is combat, right? It's like exploration and combat. And you find these enemy camps you have to clear out or hideouts you have to clear out, or I don't know, a group of enemies that you have to clear out or, you know, it's like (laughs) engaging with that over and over and over again in really fun, interesting ways, even in horizon um, forbidden West, you know, it's, how can we get Aloy into combat that's interesting, fun, and dynamic and changing it up with groups or big monsters, this, that, and the other? And what I'm not sure about Hogwarts Legacy still is what that bulk is. You know, the, I don't know if my kids are still awake, so I'll speak quietly. Uh, they haven't finished the series. Like, there are battles, certainly, but in, there are stories of old battles as well. Um, but there aren't, there's not a big map full of bandit hideouts that students go and kill. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know? I, I mean, if you, sorry to interrupt, but if you go and look at something like uh, the first couple books, it's heading into dungeons in, in Hogwarts, which is massive and magical and ever expanding. You know, there's plenty of room for there to be, uh, a weird group of magical people that are stowing away in Hogwarts for some yes. reason. They, well, yes, even sort it, of it, call that out in the uh, in the fourteen yes. minutes. You know, there was a section mm-hmm. where it's like, and if you go to the surrounding areas around Hogwarts, you'll find there are nefarious groups of magic users. You know, it's like, yeah, that's the yeah, that's the fodder I, I, that we're going to be blasting away at. 
<laughs> I think uh, I, I, while I agree that Fantastic Beasts, even though the new one, Young Dumbledore, I think looks interesting, uh, the most interesting of those in terms of just trailers that I've seen, um, those other those prequel stories have struggled mightily. I almost think that keeping it out of Hogwarts, I, I could, I don't, I might love this game, but the fact that it's linked to Hogwarts is where I'm still kind of like. It's the TV genre I love, but I also sometimes roll my eyes with that enjoyment where it's like adults can't help us. Let's get this first year high schooler to solve the case. <laughs> and it's like, you're, what's the teacher doing? I don't know. I'm very curious. I'm very curious how they fill in 40 to 80 hours of, of gameplay um, that's not a um, high school simulator, right? That doesn't seem what the bulk of this game is. It, it could be. And they've certainly done mobile games in the IP that are that. Well, it um, certainly seems like a lot of this game is in the school too, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. They yeah. do. They but did it, mention building relationships with companions that you can take on missions with you and yeah. things like that. So yeah. it could and be it looks very, very pretty. And they announced a Switch version too, or later it was added to their website that there is. Yeah. I don't know if it's cloud or not yet, but um, no universe yeah, looks where that game looks like that on Switch. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the best thing about it, and kind of similar to Star Wars, they where they do set this in the eighteen hundreds but it still looks and feels like what you think Hogwarts looks and feels like because the attire that they wear in modern day Hogwarts is the same attire that people wore in the 1800s Hogwarts. <laughs> you know, it's not like right. now they're wearing robes. their knights and stuff like that. Yeah. It's robes and ties, collared shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm just, I was very surprised. This is a game that was on my radar insofar as I knew it existed, but it was not, something I was eagerly anticipating. And here we are now uh, looking at this 14 minutes. I was like, I'm genuinely excited to check this game out. I'm genuinely excited. This game looks kind of cool, man. And uh, that's coming from somebody that just, you know, has never really had an affinity for Harry Potter uh, in particular. So uh, it's coming out holiday. They didn't specify a release date, but holiday 2022 until the inevitable delay. (laughs) But uh, that, as of now, it's going to arrive on on a whole bunch of a whole bunch of platforms. Holiday twenty twenty two. So, I think a, you know a contender for one of the big tentpole releases uh, of the year if it if it holds to that. Yeah. All right. Um, there was an ID at Xbox. Uh, there's so much so much news this week, but we got lots of games to talk about as well. So we may have to push some of that to the bonus show to the paid DLC show. Um, and uh, we, we, you know, I, I want to get to the games that we're talking about, but first, let's talk about our sponsor, which is Indeed. Now, if you are someone that that uh, hires people and you have ambitious hiring goals, don't worry about it because you don't have to wait for the right candidates to find you. You can find them first with. Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. You can find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, 
and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. It's pretty amazing. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. It's so easy. I I mean, we don't hire folks here, but if we did, I'd be using it. You can start hiring right now with the $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash DLC. The offer is valid through March 31st, so act fast. Go to indeed.com slash DLC to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash DLC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Real quick, uh, it's a different avalanche. Is it a different avalanche? Velvet Ooh. Thunder, I had no idea in the chat. Let me. It, so it's confusing because Avalanche Studios groups published by Warner Brothers did Mad Max. Hogwarts Legacy is made by Avalanche Software, published by WB. Wow. Different company. Wow. Well, now I feel dumb. Real <laughs> I dumb. Feel, I'm gl- I learned something today. Yeah. Not only Thank did you. my face get more wrinkles, so did my brain. Well, Christian, you can use Indeed to hire somebody that isn't Jeff to come and host yeah. DLC. Please, please, <laughs> please. Uh, no, I would hire someone to do research for me, and I'd have one extra headphone in that tells me the truth before I make up stuff and say it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about the games we've been playing in a segment we call Playlist. Ooh, All right, let's talk about the games that we have been playing. And it's another week here in the early part of 2022. That means another Game of the Year contender is coming out. <laughs> That's just how it is. That's just how it is in 2022. Uh, Alex, you actually reached out to me weeks ago and you're like, hey, I- I've been playing this game early. I really want to come on the show and talk about it. That game is Tunic. Uh, all three of us have played it. Alex, tell me your thoughts on Tunic. Tunic is a game that I've been following for probably four years now. Uh, an independent game developed by Dicey or uh, Andrew Schuldice. And uh, it's a game that I got to see at PAX East 2018 for the first time. Sat down and played it at the Finji booth. Shout out to Finji. That's the publisher of the game. They're from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I feel a kinship with them that they probably don't feel back. That's okay. Um, but... <laughs> Tunic, on its surface, is an isometric action-adventure game. You're playing what feels a lot like a Zelda, a little different viewpoint than you normally get in a Zelda game. Um, But you find weapons and other implements that you use to defeat monsters. And then you look at it a little more closely, and you also have a stamina bar. You can do dodge rolls to kind of get out of the way of attacks or have invincibility frames that'll let you uh, kind of absorb or move past some attacks, that type of things. 
and that's got a little bit of uh, like a Dark Souls or a Souls-like game to it. Um, and then there's also mechanics of, you know, if you get killed, you lose a little bit of currency. It's not all of your money, which thumbs up from me. That makes me very <laughs> yeah, worried in Dark Souls. <laughs> Tunic, I was able to get over it. But then also you can kind of recollect your soul, get some of that money back. And that soul can even do things like uh, when you collect it, you can kind of employ it strategically uh, to uh, do a little bit of damage and stagger the enemy that you're fighting against. If you're having trouble against them, it's it's a godsend. And I wish I could do that in Elden Ring. Yeah, that that part was really cool. And I discovered that happened the first time. Yeah. So it was really crazy. I was like, I knocked a shield off of a guy by picking up my soul. I was like, what? What? Ah, this is awesome. It's great. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, and you know, so a lot of those things that you learn, you can learn by doing. Um, but the interesting thing about Tunic is that one of the many interesting things about Tunic is that in the world, you'll pick up a piece of paper and you look at that piece of paper, shows up full page on your screen. It's a page of an instruction booklet, which kids these days will have no idea what this is even referencing. <laughs> but as someone who grew up in the 90s, I remember driving home after getting a game at Kmart and peeling open the plastic and reading that booklet, you know, while my parents go to dinner and everything like that, we're sitting there eating dinner and I've just got this booklet and I'm, you know, they can't even talk to me because I'm like trying to drink in this video game that I can't wait to play when I get home. Yeah. And tunic preys upon that for me. (laughs) Uh, But the other interesting aspect to that is that sometimes those pages have English on them and sometimes they're in a completely different script. And that is, you know, it's, it's interesting because you look at these pages and you can say, all right, this is a thing that looks like the controller. It's showing me what attacks and things I can do. Some of it's in this other language. You can look at it on its surface and be like, I kind of get all of this. But if you sit there and look at it for a couple seconds longer, you'll start to kind of see little call outs to things that maybe you saw elsewhere in the manual, or you might see some pen marks like you've gotten the game secondhand and somebody's already drawn over some of this, some of this manual. And those can give you hints and clues into the many secrets of this game. Um, and, and that's what I think is the real meat and potatoes here. This game used to be called secret legend before it became tunic. And there's a lot of secrets to find. You can find a chest behind a waterfall, or you can find a path that gets you to a place that you were completely cut off from, and you don't find it until after you're done visiting that place. And you're like, oh my God, why didn't I, I could have just gone that way instead to get that thing that I needed. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the discovery of those secrets is, it's, it's like catnip to me. You're speaking to somebody here who, you know, has compulsively tried to go down every single every single pipe in a in a Super Mario Brothers game. Right. You know, you got to check behind every single waterfall cuz everybody knows there's something behind a waterfall in a video game. And this game steeps you in that feeling. And uh and I think it's there's so many wonderful little discoveries that you make whether it's in that gameplay, whether it's in picking up a manual page and you see something that you could have done all along. But in fact, you just didn't know it was an option until you pick up this manual page. Uh, I love this type of game. And and it's it's like a combination of Zelda games, which I love, and then Fez, on the other hand. Which <laughs> it really is, does feel like Fez. Yeah. Absolutely. 
It's yeah. and it's it's just a beautiful combination. The attention to detail in this game, the beautiful artwork in the manual, absolutely amazing. Other small details like the the soundtrack by Life Formed and Janice Kwan is beautiful. And then on top of that, as you wander in this overworld, you'll be listening to the same song from like a chord perspective or the same notes, but the instrumentation changes as you move to different parts of the island. And it just gives a different context. Sometimes it feels more epic and you're going to come up against a much more difficult enemy. Or maybe you go into a cave and things kind of quiet down and it gets a little bit softer and kind of more interesting instrumentation. It's just every single piece of this game feels like a bespoke little creation just for me. And I really appreciate it. And it's it's just amazing. And so that's how I felt about it. I want to know what you guys thought about it. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing this a lot. I've been playing it on my Steam Deck, which I think is a great way to play it. But it's also available on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so folks who have Game Pass, no reason not to check this game out. I think you did such a stellar job of of encompassing all the things that make it really special. It is this throwback to a, an, a bygone era of gaming, but it is also at the same time incredibly modern a game. It is a throwback to the feeling we had playing those kinds of games where there, I mean, again, dating me, but where there was no internet to turn to. You had to, you, you, you would go to school and some kid yeah. would be like, I found a thing. There's a, <laughs> there's a fake wall and you go behind the thing. There's a chest there. And you're like, what? I can't wait to get home. And you pull out the manual that you stuffed in your backpack because you didn't want to be away <laughs> from the game for the entire time you were at school. You want to just like look at the manual and think about it. And so you take out that manual and you take out your pen and you write a little note to yourself on it. And you, when you get home, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kid at school told me about this. And uh, I mean, that's the that feeling of what gaming was, even though the games themselves weren't as sophisticated as this game mm-hmm. <laughs> and weren't as difficult as this game in a lot of ways uh, and weren't as, I mean, this game is very modern. It, it, it is a, um, it, 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 it almost fools you into thinking it is more simplistic than it is because it is not simplistic. It, I, I believe it to be um, a pretty sophisticated version of these modern games and requires a lot of skill to to progress and a lot of thinking um and it it really feels like game a version of games that were made for kids that is made for people who were kids when those games came out Mm i.e adults right um i think that's that's what feels so special about it. it's like oh my gosh this game remembers how i felt at that time and the the art style of those pages of the manual is very much, you know, early NES art style. It is, you know, for me personally, the, the manuals that I poured over were, you know, the games like Ultima and The Bard's Tale and and those games that had, you know, art, the monster art hand-drawn and it, it would tell you the names of the monsters that you were going to encounter someday in that game. And But this game evokes, you know, those old cartridge games, those old uh it's very you know it's very uh japanese in that way um and it, it nails it it nails that aesthetic it it feels really uh exciting to discover things to make those connections yourself uh and i think the game honors that in the same way that fez did right fez like mm-hmm. just felt like this bottomless pit of mystery that 
there was so much to find and discover and connections that just felt like, how did a person design this? Uh, and Tunic gets <laughs> yeah. close to that, you know? I don't think it achieves kind of Fez level, but it is close to it. It feels like, oh man, layers and layers and layers of, of, um, of mystery here that are really satisfying to discover. But they are also behind, and this is one of the things that I'm curious most about how you feel about it, Christian, behind um, some very challenging combat that I think, you know, pulls no punches in the same way that Souls games do. Um, so Christian, I'm very curious what you thought about it, in particular, the the difficulty level. Yeah, I want to echo pretty much everything that you both said. Um, and I have a hard time playing it, excuse me, <clears throat> without comparing it to Death's Door, which was one of my favorite games of last year. And it's not that the games are identical. Um, Tunic is much more of a Souls game than Death's Door. Uh, while Death's Door also had, you know, limitations on how many times you could roll and stamina and stuff like that. And also the death punishment going back, blah, 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 blah. Like a lot of similarities, but also was not as layered as tunic in terms of its um figure it out bro approach where tunic very much and i don't want to say that death store doesn't respect the player uh, i think push comes to shove death store is a little more for me than tunic is um but i think that speaks to more the type of gamer i am than anything the quality of either game but tunic very much respects the player and also um asks the player give it its full attention uh yeah, I and i think it, that's a different kind of that, it, it is both respectful and disrespectful at the same time well it, it respects the intelligence of the player I yeah, should say. It, 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 it requires you to like you said to pay attention but it's also you know i don't know how respectful it is to literally give you something and give you no clue as to what it is or what it's for. Or well, what, you know. I, I think that's how it, it tries to respect the player's intelligence and yeah. the, the, the catnip that Alex was talking about, right? Like it's going to dole this stuff out. That's kind of like saying, Oh, squid game didn't respect the audience's intelligence because they didn't answer all of the questions in episode one. Like this game tunic is very much about trying to draw the player in and, slowly sure but constantly you know it's not as if you do something and then it drops that thread for four hours and you're like oh yeah like it's constantly evolving and playing around the ideas um of the manual and exploring what this island is and how it all comes together and it it certainly goes places that aren't just uh, a Zelda aesthetic, you know, and you see some of that very early too, where it's not just a cutesy green overworld. Um, there's other stuff going on um, on this island. And so I, I think where the combat isn't quite at my preference, uh, the way Death's Door was, is that even as things progress, the combat in Tunic feels slower. Tunic feels more like a Dark Souls and Death's Door is more Bloodborne to keep it as from software analogies where Death's Door is faster and, uh, 
you can be a little more aggro or I could be constantly. And I felt like I was changing my approach more often. And tunic to me feels very much, um, wait, be patient, know when you're, uh, invincible in your role, better hit that role, right? If not, you're going to get punished for it. Okay. Learn this weapon. How are you going to use this to progress? What is this item going to do for you? Um, all while expanding on the bigger themes of the game, but what a triumph that this game is and and from essentially one person's brain and and fingers um in terms of creation it is a game that i think any other year would be a heavy favorite for game of the year and it is a game that any other month would be <laughs> the most talked about game except elden ring is still just sucking the air out of all of those things but do not overlook tunic and don't assume it's a lucky's tale which i'm not trying to besmirch a lucky's tale but this is not that this is not that game and it's quality top to bottom the also the colors like like as the game grows and expands and, and you see the the other colors coming in it is just stunning you know the purples and blues and reds and the way they kind of interplay and the light it is just a beautiful game and again, as Alex mentioned, the music is just absolutely phenomenal. It's a home run. It's, so, it's a home run. I love the sort of chunky aesthetic of it too. Everything is very, um, it's very voluminous. It's very, mm-hmm. it feels like it's almost made out of clay, everything, um, which is, I, th- I find very satisfying as an aesthetic as well. Uh, but it, 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 you know, you, you, I think you quite rightly called out uh, Death's Door. A lot of people have been making that comparison. I think that's uh, it certainly evoked that for me. Also evoked a game that is woefully underrated of the last few years, a game called Hob, which I really, really loved, it, that did a lot of similar things, you know, similar isometric perspective. Um, and, I, and I love these, these sort of uh, filtering, what, what it seems like creators filtering the experience of their love of Zelda and Zelda-likes through a much more modern prism, this prism of, of from software games of, of more, you know, RPG style uh, games. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a fascinating time where, you know, clearly the from software footprint is permeating into all these different genres. Uh, and then we also have, you know, an actual from software game, as you said, <laughs> sucking up all the air in, in the room. Um, it's pretty wild. But uh, Alex, any more to say about Tunic before we pivot to uh, to Elden Ring? Yeah, I just just a couple things. I think one of the things I do want to note: there is a no fail mode. Mm, you yes. can you can turn that on. You will not die. You'll get to see the entire game. I don't know that it really locks you out of anything. So if the combat is difficult for you but you're still enjoying the world very much you want to see more of everything uh that option is there for you the other thing is um one of the things that they did for people who got review codes uh they had a kind of secret discord for all of those people to come and discuss the game because they do very much want you to talk with people they want that experience of going to lunch in elementary school and Mm -hmm. hearing from your friend and uh and it's great like being able to pop into there. I know it's happening on the official Finji discord. Now that the game is actually out, you can go into the spoilers and say, Hey, I'm having trouble with this thing. I don't want you to just tell me about it. Give me a nudge. 
and somebody will pop in, they'll at you, they'll give you just like a little thing that you might be missing or something you need to consider to get you on the right path, whether it's something secret or oriented or something combat oriented. I think that stuff is all there for you if you want to go that route. Um, I very much like to figure a lot of it out myself and, uh, and, uh, bang my head against the wall many times with different things. I mean, I can, this is, I won't show it in detail, but I've got like several pages of handwritten notes. I thought you were going to say, you were to show us the bruises on your forehead from hitting your head against the wall. That too. You know, I put some concealer on there. You can't see that stuff. I knew I was going to be on camera, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I might even have a, uh, cipher in here that you could, uh, I can shoot it to you guys. If you don't want to spend, eight hours translating a full page of the manual like amazing amazing that's so it's that's all there for people who want it and i think that's great and you could also just play it like a zelda game and enjoy it and be done with it and i i love that the game gives you those options and you can enjoy it either way uh it is thirty dollars if you don't have game pass thirty dollars well worth it to me um uh you can pick it up on uh on itch.io as well to make sure that uh the, the creator gets gets as much uh, money from the sale as, as possible. And uh, and I will say, like, I played Death's Door as well. I did enjoy it very much. I don't know that I finished it. Uh, but there was something about the combat in Tunic that felt more responsive, in my opinion, hmm. for, for you know, how I was playing as opposed to playing in uh, Death's Door. And, uh, and, and there's something about the upgrades in Death's Door didn't necessarily translate to me having an easier time with anything, whereas there are upgrades in Tunic that I feel like, you know, by the end of the game, I'm able to fly through a lot of the stuff that I had a lot of trouble with earlier on. So, um, you know, I think that's maybe my personal preference and just how I was playing the game. But yeah, I think Tunic is amazing. Honestly, I'm ready to call it my game of the year. I've played, wow. I mean... I'm not done with Elden Ring. I enjoy it. It's not Tunic, though. You know, I didn't. I didn't. You know, figure out how to write out the language in Elden Ring. You know, I didn't spend. I, I actually, it was my birthday this past week. I spent the whole Happy day birthday. sitting there trying to figure out how this language works. <laughs> and uh, oh, man, it was Alex fantastic. Alex be passing notes in school, y'all. Like Absolutely. nobody's business. Just secret yeah. little tunic notes. <laughs> Absolutely. If anybody wants help with anything, hit me up. I'm I'm glad to help you out. But everybody should check out Tunic, and uh, and I'm so glad it's out there. I'm so glad that it's being received very well. And uh, I think Dicey deserves every bit of praise that, that they're getting for this this uh, this game. So that's Tunic. And uh, we all recommend it. We all recommend it. it. It is something special. Very, very, I think, a very unique experience and one that immediately drew me in. Immediately. Uh-huh. It was all, you know, uh-huh. in from go. Like, oh, man, I dig this game. Um, all right, Alex. Let's yes. talk a little bit about uh, what else is on your playlist. I'm going to be pretty brief with these because I know you guys have been hitting them pretty hard the past couple of weeks. Uh, I just wanted to say with Elden Ring, I'm the same group as Danish. He had some great thoughts on the paid DLC a couple of weeks ago, um, but I'm going to frame it a little differently. I think it's just a form of Stockholm syndrome. You know, <laughs> this is like I played. I played Bloodborne. I beat one boss. I was like, man, this is tough. And then I didn't touch it. And then I picked up Demon Souls remake, 
beat like two or three <laughs> bosses. I was like, this is cool, but I, why am I doing this to myself? And now I'm like 20 hours in the Elden Ring and I'm like, I think I might, I might beat this one and I'm hopeful <laughs> it might happen. But like, there's some people that just click with the souls likes and they get it in the first game and they love it from the get go. And then I think there's just other people that will not get it and it's not for them. And that's okay too. Yeah. But there's this middle category of Danish and I, where it's like, I've tried this four times and it's finally, I'm fine. I've learned enough. It's like the, it's, it's tunic spread over four different games. It's like, I've finally <laughs> learned enough information to not get obliterated by everything in this game. And, uh, and I, I'm really, it's, it's working for me finally. So, yeah, I still haven't devoted uh, a lot of time to it, but man, uh, it's one of those games, you know, it, it was like Outer Wilds for me, which was like, I tried it a few times. I tried it a few times. It didn't, it didn't click. And then once it, I, I assume it'll be like that where it, when it clicked, I'm like, Oh, I get this now. And I love it. And I, I keep wanting to have that experience that other people have. And that's the thing that draws me to it is I hear other people talk about it with such reverence mm-hmm. and you go, I want to feel that way. I, that that's, you know, this is my thing. I love loving things. So mm-hmm. when someone else loves something, I go, I want to feel that. I love feeling that <laughs> that's how I want to feel. I think, I think Elden ring would serve you well in the same type of guidance situation. Like, like uh, Outer Wilds served you well, you know. Yeah, I mean that's Lana and Danish. That's how I got into uh, uh, Dark Souls Two. Was you okay. know my friend Dan Trachtenberg was like, I'm going to sherpa you through this, and we'll do it together. We'll team up, you know. We'll summon each other, and and I had so much fun doing that. I had so yeah. much fun doing that. But you know what? It didn't do. It didn't make me want to play it by myself. <laughs> that's fair. That's right. And that's also kind of the odd one out of the Souls games. I feel like people oftentimes feel like Dark Souls 2 was kind of the, it stands out. And I don't know necessarily why, because I haven't played all of the Dark Souls games. But, um, so maybe your enjoyment of that doesn't necessarily translate to all of the Souls games. But, yeah. uh, the, the other thing I'll say is that it's, it's kind of the reverse of Tunic for me. Whereas like in Tunic, I wanted to figure everything out for myself. In Elden Ring, I'm like, I want to use magic because the people who really love souls games call that cheating. And that means it'll make it easy for me. So (laughs) let me look up the astrologer and what are good builds and which items should I go and get? And I like, for some reason, I'm just like, okay, if I know that this staff is here, I'll go pick it up. I can use this spell. Things become easier for me. That's what worked for me with Elden ring. And I feel like you're either the person that wants to be the astronaut going into the unknown with the souls game or you're the guy that wants to have Wikipedia, the the uh, the wiki open on your your laptop yeah. next to you as you're playing and space exploration or space tourism. Which do you absolutely? Want? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me too, the difference in like Elden Ring and Tunic, and Tunic, uh, there's probably other paths, but it feels like there's a path forward. And in Elden Ring, to your point, Alex, I'm constantly wondering if I have the right build. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like tunic isn't like, do you want to play as a fox, a panda, a red fox? What about a squirrel? Do you want to be a squirrel? Yeah. Squirrels are pretty good. You should be a squirrel. And then someone else is like, squirrels are the worst. No one wants to be a squirrel. <laughs> I'm like, I just spent 20 hours as a squirrel. Squirrels are and cheating. Yeah. And that's what Elden Ring does to me. It's like, I, I like this samurai. That's, yeah, I like this. It's like, well, I, here's this new armor to not be that. This is really powerful armor, but you can't be that. You just defeated a boss. Here's a, here's a staff. Can you use it? You could respec. Do you want to respec? pretty sweet staff and i'm like i don't know do i elden ring or do i not (laughs) to tunic uh i'll say 
Elden Ring has there's it's Souls games are rife with analysis paralysis for me. And yeah. as someone who made a spreadsheet to figure out how I can get all of my <laughs> skills to 100 in Fallout 3 using skill books and whatever I needed to do. It hurts me when I'm like, oh, I just put a point into this thing that might be useless to me. And so that's <laughs> yeah. why sitting down and looking at the information that's out there really works for me in those games. Tunic doesn't have that analysis paralysis. You're not like, oh, should I yeah, you know, change my character up this way? So I, I totally get it. I get it. What that's I yearn cool. for is the place in my life that I could be at again because I, ha- I was there for a long time, but I'm not there anymore where I don't feel like I need to accomplish something in a game. I can just Mm -hmm. experience it and fail over and over again. And that's okay because not, because not moving forward wasn't a thing. There's this weird feeling that I have now where I, I put pressure on myself to, you know, there's so there's so many things to play and I and I want to talk about them on the show. And and so if I'm devoting time to one thing, it feels like I'm not devoting time to another things. And you know, services like Game Pass, where you have this infinite games, it's not like you, hey, you spent all summer saving up to buy the one game that you're gonna play for the next six months. I'm just not that person anymore. Games aren't like that anymore. And so, you know, where I would I would play Diablo 2 for a billion D hours and it didn't matter. Right. <laughs> uh, now I feel like I, you know, I, I, I play Elden Ring or even a little tunic tunic was a little bit that way where I'm like, you know, I would, I would play for a couple of hours and not feel like I figured anything out or got any farther or did anything. And it, it would feel a little, uh, Elden Ring is in particular, or these, you know, souls games. It just feels like, Oh my God, I could have been using those hours for something else. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a satisfying use of my time, which is my most precious resource. I mean, we have a joke and even a bumper on this show about how many games come out constantly. Um, and, and I feel like it's not that even that there are too many, even that there are just too many. There are too many that I want to play badly. There's you know, like, there <laughs> too many top tier games. You know, I used to have. Yes. Uh, a friend that um, would say triple uh, A or I don't play, you know, mm. uh, that was uh, some folks at the one up used to talk about like that, that notion triple A or I don't play. Like it has to be like, if, if in order for me to put my time into it, this has to be a top tier game experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything's a top tier gaming experience. Now <laughs> we get top tier yes, gaming experiences two or three times a week. And those top tier gaming experiences are 60, 70, 80, 100-hour <laughs> games. And all, almost all good hours, too. It's not like there's a good five hours in there. It's like, no, no, no. I just finished Elden Ring. Now I'm going to New Game Plus it because it's the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. And it's just like, come on. It's the, <laughs> it's the, the ultimate first world problem, right? It's the ultimate, like, why are we whining about this abundance of riches? And yet, I can't help feel, you know, like we always say, there are too many games. Yep. All right. Speaking of which, what else is on your playlist, Alex? Last game I want to talk about and perfectly dovetails in with that conversation is Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I played 
the first Horizon game, I got to the end, there's an end credit stinger on it, and I was sad, because I was like, man, this was a great story, I loved the story of Zero Dawn so much, I don't need more, I just, I wanted it to be this perfect single player experience, and, you know, let it sail off into the sunset. Forbidden West has completely changed my tune on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was worried Forbidden we were West, headed with this. Yeah. It came out in, in uh, mid-February. I was staring down the barrel of Elden Ring, and then I randomly got an email that was like, here's a code for Tunic. And I was just like, I, but, I, but Forbidden West is here. And I, <laughs> I knew that if I put it down, am I going to come back to it? Like, there's so many, like you said, Jeff, so many games to play. As a podcaster, you want to talk about the new experiences because that's what people want to hear about, right? Um, but so basically, it led to me playing Forbidden West. I think I put 40 hours into it. I just mainlined the story because I was like, I need to know. I want to know. After getting to the first couple story beats of that game, it hooked me right in. I was ready to go. I needed to see the end of it. And I'm pumped for whatever will come in the future of the horizon franchise at this point i enjoyed the story so much that and the fact that they've done it twice now i'm like i guess i can trust them it doesn't just need to be this self-contained thing uh things that they call back and bring forward from zero dawn and forbidden west i think they do a beautiful job doing that i think they do a great job of subverting your expectations with what's going to happen in the plot um, and, and I think there are some nice twists and turns that just blew my mind that they were going there and, and that that was what I was going to be playing and dealing with. So, um, you know, yeah. I don't want to get into any spoilers or anything. And, uh, and I do really hope to go back. Like I didn't touch any hunting grounds. I don't think I did any of the melee pits. I'm really bad at the combat in that game. So that's probably why it took me 40 hours, it like layered on so many new things that I'll go, yes. I'll go through a big fight and I'll get to the end of it and like, oh my god, that fight was awesome. Oh my god, there's like four things I didn't even do that I could have done. <laughs> you know, I totally forgot to activate my super fancy Valor thingy, you know, like all that stuff. It's um, it, it, There are tons of layers uh, that they've added to an already pretty complex combat system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, I... I, 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 I don't think I touched those valor th- i think i unlocked one of the valor things on the skill tree and i was like that seems cool and then i never used it throughout the whole game and well there, you know there so will, there's there'll be a couple times where i'll accidentally have uh like i'll hit the bu- button combination to accidentally unlock it and she'll like put on her face paint and do something awesome and be like yeah i'm ready i'm like oh i really need to be using this more often this is cool <laughs> absolutely know? yeah i had the one that makes you turn invisible and i was like trying to play the game all stealthy but i never wanted to turn invisible for some reason it's very strange <laughs> yeah I think it's there's just so many different ways to interact with that game whether you want to be someone who's just a trapper or somebody who you know gets into it and wants to uh you know pull off the components from all the different monsters and that type of thing uh it's very flexible with the ways that you play it there's a lot for me to go back to now that i have even finished the story so i'm hoping that can happen at some point yeah if there is a summer lull or something but (sighs) no such thing as lulls anymore so let's disavow ourselves of that notion but yes Mm -hmm. uh the uh the 
this game has been a, a constant, like, you know, as I'm playing Tunic, as I'm playing other things, as I'm, as I'm like trying to have the newest, latest, best, I'm like, I'm not going to turn my back on this beautiful, wonderful game that I've been looking forward to for so long. And that literally everything in it, I love doing. I spent an entire play session this week, multiple hours, uh, just deciding I wanted a very specific piece of armor that was being sold by a vendor and going, okay, I'm going to hunt the parts needed for me to get it. And it was so much fun finding mm-hmm. the thing, you know, sneaking up, using my focus to target a specific part. The most valuable part is underneath armor on the robot dinosaur creature have to knock that armor off to get to it, then shoot that thing. It's this precise thing right in the very specific spot. Uh, so much fun to knock it off and see it fly off and then either decide, oh, do I even going to take this thing down or am I just going to run over and grab that and, and take off? It's just, it's a blast. And like you said, the story, you know, it makes me sad, Christian, when when you and, uh, and Lana last week were saying, you know, the story is so uninteresting to you because I'm with Alex that the story is really taking flight and being awesome. Um, so, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll if talking you, about the game lots more, I think, because I'm not done with it by any stretch. If you want to delve into those spoilers, please give me a call. I'd love to talk about it. I will. I will take so much to chew on there. Yeah. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I've been playing. So just those that's three just yeah. massive, <laughs> yeah, three incredible releases. game of the year releases. Well, what you teased, you said your game of a generation. That's Tunic for me, honestly. Yeah. Like, Fez is up there for me. Tw- the, the PS3 generation, the Xbox 360 generation, Tunic, or, or Fez would be there. Yeah. It's probably the witness for me for the PlayStation 4 Xbox generation. So I, have, I very much have a type. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Tunic, Tunic is, Tunic is it. Like, I, I'm sorry to ruin the end of the year game of the year episode for the Midwest Game Nights <laughs> podcast. My number one is Tunic. Well, thank you very much. It's interesting. All three of those games that you mentioned are basically made by one person, which is pretty wild, right? Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Christian, before we get to your story, excuse me, before we get to your playlist, I need to thank our second sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace! 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 The all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You need a beautiful website. You want to stand out with a beautiful website. You want to engage with your audience. You want to you sell something? Your products, the content you create, even your time? Well, then maybe, maybe, maybe I suggest... The thing I suggest to all my friends and family, Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy for creators to monetize their content and their expertise in a way that fits their brand. With member areas, you can unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. And if you want to make those videos, online courses, or newsletters, how about a pro-level video suite a studio the squarespace video studio app helps you make and share engaging videos that tell your story grow your audience and drive sales you want an online store you want to sell products online whether you sell physical or digital products squarespace has the tools you need to start selling 
online. You can blog. They've got commenting features. They've got mobile optimized features. It's optimized for mobile. Every website on Squarespace, right out of the box. Easy peasy, lemon, squeezy. The content automatically adjusts so that your site looks great on any single device. They've got analytics. So much. You got to check it out. Go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. All one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And the offer code Jeff sent me to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. I bought domains there. Tons of domains I bought there. Including uh, the, the once in future domain for this website, which for this, this show, which I'm hoping to set up soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Christian Spicer, I know you were playing Tunic. What else is on your playlist? Well, um, this is where I do the thing where it goes, uh, Christian was right and he predicted it many months ago. Christian was right and he predicted it many months ago. Fortnite, chapter three, season two, season three, chapter, chapter three, season two. There it is. Easy to remember, hard to forget. Um, started as we're recording this. Um, and with it, dare I, dare I say, as uh, predicted, uh, um, brought with it a major new mode, currently only set to last for nine days. But when it comes to bold and cool ranch predictions, Jeff Kanata, a nine day major mode change that counts in my book, put a check by it. That's two predictions right already for me this year. Uh, what they did is they, they have a no build mode. But who's counting? No build. I'm count- I'm definitely counting. Uh, <laughs> no build mode, and they made it, you know, fit it into the lore of the game, why you cannot build in, the, in it right now. In competitive, they're still building and other whatever. But in the main, 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 everybody plays Fortnite, there is no building. They've added a sprint. They've added a vault. And they've also added a Halo-esque overshield. Um, in addition to your, you know, your regular slurp and stuff like that, but like a overshield that will regen over time to basically adjust for the fact that you can't throw a wall or if you're good, an entire 18th century fortress, uh, <laughs> <laughs> made out of wood that you've harvested up to that point in the game. Um, and it is super interesting how that. I mean, it's a major change to the idea of Fortnite, but ultimately a small tweak to the game fundamentally changes how the Battle Royale plays out. But yet it still feels very much like Fortnite. It's not all of a sudden I'm sitting here playing PUBG and, you know, like sitting in a room waiting and got my thing. And I'm just trying to, you know, calculate the bullet drop from this one shack as I'm trying to survive, uh, which is a much more slower paced way I played PUBG. By bringing the sprint, keeping the slide, incorporating uh, the vault into it to help you get up to areas, keeps the pace of the game still very quick. Um, But it's also super interesting the way that they've, um, by getting rid of building, they've also made it, I have to rethink how I 
get to areas on buildings, right? Because it'd be like, oh, I'll build a ramp and scurry up and get to the top of this vantage point on top of this building to snipe or to scope to see where I'm going to go next and see if it's a hot zone or not and what I'm going to do. And now it's like, oh, I need to go inside this building to use its <laughs> stairs, <laughs> you know, like use this well-designed interior space, just totally not where I would spend a lot of time in smaller buildings in Fortnite before, but by getting rid of the build mechanic, they make it a necessity to one find uh, gold chests on higher levels. You can still hack through buildings and fall through the roof, but you can't then build a ramp back up it. And I think just that subtle shift is super interesting. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it. I think if you've sat out Fortnite or building has put you off, I would recommend getting in early and playing it during this no build window. Uh, I truly think this is a test to see if this becomes a, a longer standing mode or thing. And I, I hope it does because it is fun and it feels different enough where I feel like they wouldn't necessarily cannibalize each other. I think there are times where I'd want to have that build mechanic, and there are times where I'd want to run around and, and play in this freewheeling, no-build mode. And Jeff, I think this is the time to get you into Fortnite, because this season also, they've introduced yet another Jeff Kanata skin. They introduced pre-beard Jeff Kanata before with mm. the in-game Nathan Drake, and now... <laughs> This season, they've introduced the bearded Jeff Kanata in the form of Doctor Strange. So I feel like you have to play no no build plus beard Jeff Kanata skin finally in the game. Like, what are you yeah. waiting for? This it does is your feel moment. like they're, they're courting me specifically. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I have no interest in playing. But I did appreciate the vast number of people that sent me the Doctor Strange skin image and said, is, is, is this you, dog? <laughs> this is you you bro i mean we finally got confirmation that it was the rock so i think this is a season where you come out and say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there was two people they wanted to snag in their game one was Dwayne the rock johnson the other <laughs> yours truly it is alex have you played any no build Fortnite? did you jump in i have not i'm not a huge Fortnite person i think i stopped playing because there were people with much better reaction times than me building like you said a mid-century modern home in the last throws of the game. Was, it's tasteful and effective? <laughs> My goodness. They built yeah. this over the edge of a waterfall. I'm not going to be able to it? snipe you. And the breakfast nook links directly into the uh, kitchen area? It's, That's amazing. It's a beautiful open design. that, like you This know. looks nothing like Batgirl's bathroom. This is all purposefully <laughs> laid out. Um yeah. I, I, for anyone listening, I highly recommend trying it. I understand that building puts people off. Um, Fortnite has, for a while now, had decent, dare I say, good matchmaking or early player onboarding to not overwhelm you where you're playing with a bunch of um, you know, pro Twitch streamers that will kill you in five seconds. And this new no-build mode makes it feel, I think, instantly recognizable to anyone who plays shooters, but also still captures a lot of what makes Fortnite fun with the silliness. And I think I was driving around in what seemed like a you know, a, a Ford F-350 off-road pickup truck for part of the, the match today, hitting ramps. Um, it's really fun. So it's a new Fortnite season in the current no-build mode. Uh, check it out. It's free. What do you even do with all your 
downtime when you're not pickaxing everything that is in front of you, you know? I, I Believe me, I, I'm in exploring the interiors of these tasteful buildings <laughs> that the developers have built. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, all right, well, in the spirit of uh, us talking about uh, games made by one person, I want to talk about a game that Fortnite, I... Fortnite, like Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, too many people made Fortnite. That's why I don't want to play it at all, so... Uh, this is, uh, I've been playing a, a little bit of a game. Um, uh, it's a new game from a Jonas Troiler. Uh, it is called, will you snail? Will you snail? You play as a snail who has been transported into some sort of AI controlled world, a construct world. Eh, let's not put much, too much thought into it. It's a big platformer, a uh, really pretty in my opinion. Um, very sort of neon and simplistic, um, minimalist, I should say, and, but but vivid. You know, it's got these beautiful colors, bright sort of neon look to it. And you're being like tormented, Pac-Man, like Pac-Man Championship Edition, yeah. and like some of those yeah, games. Or, that came or, out. or Geometry Wars is a better one, maybe. Yeah. Um, the uh, and you're being tormented by this AI that has controlled, uh, has built this world and and plopped you into it, and. It is a a very fast paced platformer. Think, you know, N plus or Super Meat Boy or any of those. And in a, a similar way to those games, you will die many, 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 many times. The difference here being this disembodied AI is mocking you constantly as you do it, which is very fun and funnily written. I think it it, it is. It is charming, not frustrating, because it is constantly being like, really? Is that how you were going to do that? That's the way you were going to do that? You didn't even try that time, that kind of... It's goofy. Um, But even more than that, the AI has decided it is going to try to predict where you're going to go to kill you even more effectively. So the way this plays out is wild, because the game is constantly throwing things into your path or changing the environment spikes will pop out of the ground. If you sit on a spot too long, it'll try to predict where you're going to leap and how you're going to go. So not only are you trying to complete what are fairly challenging, just, you know, (laughs) Twitch level uh, platforming, just reflex, uh, you know, actual, the mechanics of platforming, you know, jumping and, while hopping and all double jump, you have a double jump right from the start in this game. Um, but also the game is attempting to change things up and throw things in your path as you do them. Uh, and it, it is wild. The, the saving grace of this game, and it's something I've talked about many, 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 many times with games like this. The saving grace of this game is when you die, you instantly start again. No pause, no load. You would instantly start again. You can die boom, 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 over and over. Whang, whang, whang. You just keep going back. To the, start over, start over, start over, start over. Yes, the little AI guy is mocking you the entire time. But it it becomes this kind of thing where you can beat your head against the wall because there's no friction between attempts. There's no downtime between attempts. There's no punitive feeling of having to sit through a load. The, the penalty for just trying something over and over and over is almost zero. You're just starting again. And that is what makes this game kind of fun. It has lots of personality, uh, some really zany, cool ideas. 
and uh, and and a, and a steep challenge. Um, so if you're into that, I highly recommend you check it out. It's only 15 bucks on Steam. Will you snail? Uh, and uh, it just came out recently. It is uh, a single person developed it. And I think a very clever, well-executed game. Uh, if you like platform, Christian, this very much feels like your jam. You know, you love the the challenging action platform that you have to do over and over and over and over and over again. I think you, oh, I, I think mean, you snail. Will you snail? I've, I've seen video of it. Uh, and I picture myself playing it on a Steam Deck. You know, I can yeah. see... You really I get can one see of those. me playing. Yeah, I've heard they're great. So <laughs> I'm, I'm in line for a Q1 order. I have two weeks left where they, they need to send me that email so I can just give them my money. How often are you checking your spam? Like, I, did, did I, I miss check it? my did... spam more these past couple weeks than I have ever checked in my life. I promise you. <laughs> now it's your chance, marketer. Send Alex that email. He'll see it. <laughs> I have... Yeah, I have mine right on here somewhere. Uh, I, I, um, I have been won over by the steam deck one over as you, as I mentioned last week, it is, uh, it's real good. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> Thanks Jeff. It's perfect for a, perfect for a game like this. Also, again, yes. beauty, not to transition this into steam deck, but it's like, will you snail? Sounds like it'd be great on switch and yeah. it'll probably come there. I a probably year from will now. come there. Yeah. But this type of game in particular Seems perfect for that handheld play, 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 play. Oh, I'm going to put it down, do something else, pick yeah. it up again, play, 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 play. Yeah, 100%. Love it. 100%. And Tunic is like that. Tunic was great on Steam Deck. It, it it makes me go, hey, Valve and Microsoft, can we just like make Game Pass on Steam, please? So I can play all hey. of my Game Pass games on Steam Deck, please? They put out a, a not a statements overstating it, but there was like some press coming out. Like we've worked hard with Valve to make sure that um, X Cloud works really well on Steam Deck, and I'm like, that's great and all, but like, just put the games on there. Yeah, can we just <laughs> yeah. can we just get Game Pass on Steam, please, and then everything will work perfectly. Yeah, don't yeah. make me stream it when I'm playing on a computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. Anyway, lots, just so many great games out right now, and you know, full price games to lower price games. It's just it's just an abundance of riches, and it's a pretty amazing time. Who would have thought? February and March of any year when you would have, you would ask me that ten years ago, eight years ago when we started the show, February and March are going to be, you know, the biggest time of year for games. I've been like, that doesn't sound right. Here yeah. we are. Here we are. All right. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Alex Morrell, thank you so much for being here, man. It's always a great time talking to you. Thank you for having me. It's it's wonderful to get to talk to you guys about such great video games. So, absolutely, I I agree with that. Um, where can folks uh, keep up with you and all the cool stuff that you make online? Well, once you're done listening to DLC and paid DLC, because I'm assuming you're a patron, please check now. out. Yeah. I mean, please come check out the Midwest Game Nerds podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. We just uh, released a little thing on Tunic. We talked about Elden Ring. Probably going to talk about Elden Ring forever because <laughs> it's Elden Ring. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we also have podcasts about tv shows horror movies and so much more check all of those out at midwestpodcastnetwork.com we just did a 
commentary of Friday the 13th Part 3 on Horror Movie Yearbook. We watched it in 3D because I'm the only person that still has the 3D glasses to watch a 3D movie on a 3D TV. And, uh, and it was a great time. So please check that out as well. That is awesome. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, Alex mentioned wherever you find podcasts, and I don't want to spoil anything in Tunic, but at page 17 of the instruction manual, you will find a podcast. I'm just kidding. That would be cool, actually. I should do that. It would be cool. You're uh, not po- that far off with some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was cleaning my daughter's room uh, today. I was helping her do like a big spring spring clean, just littered with podcasts. It's like so many <laughs> under the bed, just like, what are all these old podcast just get them out of here um one of them was our second episode jeff she still had it in there on an old ipod shuffle you know why because she's been time traveling yes so many disney rides um i have been told by viewers of this show to mention it more people appreciate the video uh we do video for this very show that you are listening to right now it is streamed live on my Twitch. Typically, we record at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time, and that's twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. They also go up all as uh, videos on demand on our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash dlcpod. Um, I do put in time into the videos, and I do think they look good. Of course, all I can see are the moments that Brad Pitt could have performed slightly better in every role he's ever been in. But that is just because I am Brad Pitt watching myself on screen. Um, but I, I am proud of these videos. I think they look good. I think they're nice. They're getting better. I'm adding more and more to them. And so you can become a patron, get access to all of the videos for the show since we launched the Patreon over there at DLC at patreon.com slash DLC pod. And the last thing I'll mention is I do a newsletter where I write long form about video games, usually one or two a month I send out. And you can find that at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I have several other shows for you to check out, including the film cast, where I talk about movies and TV shows. I've got the uh, We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show where we talk about a uh, really interesting story in the world of science and make fun of it, really. Uh, you can learn something and laugh along the way. And uh, I do uh, the dungeon run at least for two more weeks. My stint on the dungeon run is coming to a close. Uh, the story that I've been telling is coming to a close. Uh, it's been three years uh, that we have been telling one epic tale of five adventures collectively known, the heroes of Bingle. And uh, things are getting pretty crazy. Last week, at the end of the show, I dropped a puzzle. Yeah, that's going to take longer than two weeks, Jeff. You have several more weeks before that gets figured out. <laughs> well, it's been pretty wild. It's been pretty wild watching people uh, try to solve the puzzle that I dropped at the end of the, the episode. It's been really cool. Um, and uh, I also do the uh, the uh, the fan-controlled football, which uh, is ramping up 30. We have less than 30 days before uh, Season 2.0 starts. You can find that at twitch.tv slash FCF. And hey, if you like limericks, do you like limericks? I make I like limericks, limericks, bespoke limericks for any occasion, birthdays, anniversaries, just uh, whatever you need on my Cameo page, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Alex, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? 
I do. Uh, ten years ago, maybe almost to this day, I sat down in a theater and watched John Carter. And I know that there are a lot of people that do not enjoy that movie, that did not like it. I liked it so much, I saw it two more times that week in theater. I'm the whole box office tape of John <laughs> Carter. And, uh, and I really think my frame of mind going into that movie was this is a piece of work. This, the, the book that this movie is based off of is, uh, real it, it piece precedes, of work. <laughs> yeah. It precedes Star Wars. You know, I think Disney tried to make TV spots. They were like, before Avatar, before Star Wars, you know. Yeah. Uh, John Carter inspired Flash Gordon, Star Wars. If it's science fiction, you name it. And I think if you go into the movie with that lens, you get so much more out of it than just thinking, oh, I've seen most of this before. And uh, and I really think it deserves another look. So John Carter, it's great. Please check it out. Watch Tron Legacy after that. I think that's great, too. Yeah. Is it on uh, Disney Plus, John Carter? Uh, yes, it is. It is. There you go. And watch it. John Carter of Mars, I believe, is the name of the book that it's based on, right? It's not in 3D on Disney Plus. I have the Blu-ray. Come over to my house. We'll watch it. <laughs> I, I've been meaning. I my the projector that I have uh, supports 3D, but I gotta get special glasses, and I've been meaning to buy them, but they're very expensive. <laughs> I'm not, but uh, I, I like the 3D. I'm a fan of the 3D. Back I 3D. like it with the movies that were filmed that way, yeah, or animated right. movies that, uh, yeah. So Avatar Two is going to bring back 3D single handedly. I have no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. No, did, did you not hear, Jeff? Avatar 2 is actually going the opposite. It is going 1D. 1D. They're, oh, interesting. It's, yeah, it's wild. They're always pushing the envelope. James Cameron, man. <laughs> Zags when you think he should zig. That's, that's, that's yeah. uh, Cameron for you. All right, Christian, what is on your, <laughs> your parting gift? I have two. One, uh, which I want to talk a little bit more uh, and, and pay DLC about some topics spun out of it, but it's a movie, a new movie on Netflix called Windfall. Um, that is worth a watch. And I want to, I, I don't want to spoil anything about the movie, um, but I want, it made me think about some things that I want to, I want to get your opinion on. Cool. And the other, the other thing uh, is the NCAA tournament and uh, March Madness men's and women's in this year, if I memory serves me correct, this is the first year the women have played a full 64 team tournament. And I love seeing the women's game become more competitive. I was worried that the 64 team would make it just more blowouts. You have your Yukons, your Baylors, you know, some of these stalwart teams on the women's side that just kind of dominate all the time. I was so wrong. The the teams, the, the field is so competitive and it's so awesome seeing these you know, mid-major teams get really good. Just this weekend alone, there were two upsets of 10 over two, which were huge games. Uh, the women's game, I think, is super exciting. So if you are watching March Madness, don't sleep on the women's tournament. It is not what it was five or 10 years ago of waiting for UConn to win another championship. Really, really cool stories coming out of that tournament as well. So go watch some uh, college basketball. Yeah, and as Christian was saying, we will deep dive in all these topics on the paid DLC show, which you can get exclusively as a patron over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. We also have ad free episodes available there and uh, all kinds of cool, fun bonuses, including getting your name right out at the end of the show, which we will do shortly. Uh, my, uh, my, I have a number of things to talk about. <laughs> this is going to be really fun. Uh, one of them is, is a new show, um, a new show from Amy Schumer 
called uh, Life and Beth, which I could not stop watching last night. Made me laugh my patoot off. Uh, Very funny. Um, But the (laughs) thing I really want to talk about, fellas, Christian, I have not told you about this. This is not something that I'm going to be able to play on this show because we have a clean tag. Oh, but, but uh, we'll carve out a special portion of this week's paid DLC show. Christian, you and I have been called out. <laughs> there is evidently a new podcast on the block called the Homeboy 88 podcast. And part are we of, getting pulled into some podcast beef? Or, or some pod- podcast? We, we, are, we are the subject of podcast beef. Oh uh, man! This is uh, this new podcast that has come online, and uh, one of their first things was to uh, craft a parody song based on uh, <laughs> Tupac's hit. Uh, what is it? A, a get with you? What is it called? Uh, any any song Tupac released in his short life? They're all hits. Yes, they are. They are all hit. It's uh, uh, hit him up. Hit him up. Tupac's hit him up. Uh, the the lyrics have been changed to uh, diss us, you and me, and this podcast. I will Good be playing that. Try to p- get some traction by. I mean, that's what you do, right? That's what you, you do. do. Very savvy. You got to make some noise. Now we're going to talk about it. Well, I haven't heard this yet, Jeff, but oh, I will I'm, tell you, yeah, that I am quitting podcasting and I'm going to start boxing now. I'm going to follow right. this beef <laughs> talking. All the way to the top, and I'm going to become a boxer. So. That's all it took. Let's go. That's all it took. All, <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, thanks to the the fellows over at the Homeboy Eighty Eight podcast for uh, challenging me. They they want us to clap back, Christian. We'll, oh, we'll have to talk I, about dude, that more. Check this out. Clapping. That was me. Oh, that was you clapping. clapping. That was the sound of one hand clapping. All right. We also got a <laughs> listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail from Don. This is a, a long one, but I love it. Uh, Don says, uh, hello, I had a, a recent enlightenment that I want to share with you as fellow gamers and parents. I'm a bit ahead of you on the parenting side, so maybe this is a glimpse of what you can look forward to. My youngest time travel time, time travel. travel. <laughs> my youngest was a talented varsity athlete in high school who, to my surprise, decided not to continue playing sports in college, despite being recruited by multiple D1 and D3 schools. As a parent and his number one fan, it was really hard to see a talented athlete decide to stop playing. Insert sad trombone. College acceptance letter time was stressful, but all ended well. He was accepted into a fantastic school, but all of that is just context. In his freshman year of college, my son tried out and made his school's esports team for League of Legends. League had been his go-to game for so many years, I personally viewed the game with disdain. I thought it was free-to-play garbage and couldn't be paused and punished players for leaving matches early. I can't tell you how many dinners were delayed because he needed 15 more minutes to finish a match. I disliked League and mocked it openly. I was not a good gamer parent. Well, here's the dramatic twist. I am now a convert, or at least a fan, I started with Arcane on Netflix, which is awesome. Great animation and an entertaining story. Then I played some Wild Rift, the mobile version of League of Legends, to learn more about MOBA-style games. It's fun and addictive. 
I also watched his team play a couple matches via Twitch. I am now admitting I was very wrong. League has complex strategy and gameplay. It's easy to play, but takes enormous skill to be good, let alone to compete at high levels. My son's esports team has all the components of a traditional sports team. Recruiting, tryouts, practice, strategy, chalkboard sessions, in-season competition with playoffs, camaraderie, trash talk, morale-boosting speeches, ass-kicking defeats, and come from behind wins against impossible opponents. Did I mention jerseys? They have cool jerseys. The best part is the student has become the master. He coached me on my gameplay, which in turn has made me game so much better. I really like where my son is in his life now. It's a place I couldn't imagine a few years ago. All I saw was him giving up a sport I loved. What I didn't realize was he was making his way to a community that provides friendship and sense of belonging. Here are my takeaways for you and other listeners. One, esports are legit. Two, you can't control your kids' interests. Find out what Over they like. Over my dead body. And Over learn all about my it. Let them time travel, Christian. Body. Just let them time travel. <laughs> uh, you find out what they like and learn all about it. Let them lead and be their fan. Three, Wild Rift is great on iPad. I still suck, but it's real fun and I'm getting better. I thought someday I'd be playing catch with my kids in a cornfield as in a field of dreams. Now I think I'll be joining them on Discord for a couple of rounds of League. Thanks for your show. Your podcast is a must listen weekly. Happy to contribute my share via Patreon. Thank you, Don. What a delightful email. And I think a lesson for everybody. Really, really cool. Thank you for sending that. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Tom. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. But before we go, it is time to thank our patrons who support the show at the hype train level. No, not E3. It's just the hype train level. Uh, Christian, let's shout them out. Oh, you wanted me to start shouting. That was your time to shout them out. To start shouting. Just shout them. Real. Sincerely. My uh, OBS, not OBS, uh, my mic will cut me off if I shout them. But from the shoutiest place of my punk rock heart, thank you, Dan Flanagan. Thank you, Rob Rickman. Sasson. Hank, pa- <laughs> Hank Patton, thank you. Adam Denby, thank you. Cheesy Bob. Scooby Diesel. Victor Valenzuela, thank you. Jonathan Talbert, thank you. Matt Bradley, thank you. Chris Zacharias, thank you. Jeff L., thank you. Speaking of L's, Will with one L, Harris, thank you. Mitchell Ness, thank you so much. Jonathan Putney, thank you. Jimmy Radcliffe, thank you. Mark Gowland, thank you. Thank you, awesome U.S. movies. Malcolm King, thank you. The Switch Bit, thank you. Dan Palmino, thank you. Neil Shaw, thank you. Lloyd Nans, every time, every time, it's going to be Lego Ninjago. Lloyd, every time, Lloyd, I'm sorry. Every time that quote will pop into my head. Thank you. (laughs) Scott Hughes, thank you so much. Ben. Jenny. Kevin Brazel, thank you. Nate. Thank you. Stu Goss, thanks so much. 
Zachary White, thank you so much. Spice Man Forever. Jonathan Schlepfer. Spice Man Forever, baby! Yick! Thank you, Yick! Albert Verhildios, thank you. Soren Silk, thank you! Super Garf, also known as the Spice Man Silencer. I have been silenced. Thank you. Travis! Thank you so much, Travis. Mike Lombardo. Jackson, thank you. Michael Buck, thank you. Thank you to Michael Stadler. Sledge, the Watashama. (laughs) Thanks to Nick Strauss-Klein. Peter Olberg, thank you, man. Thanks, Josh Peak. Jad, thank you. P.S. We. Christian Bravery. Taylor Wigert. Thank you. Octavian Ratziu. Thank you. Clifton Satterfield. Thank you. Jason Novak. Thanks so much. Thanks to all of our awesome hype train level patrons. You're the best. Thanks again to Alex Merrill and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributor, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those awesome bumpers. Thanks to our patrons who support this show at patreon.com slash dlcpod. And thanks to each and every one of you who download and listen. We're grateful. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.